by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge. If you would all open up your copy of God's Word to the book of Romans. Book of Romans, and uh, we are actually going to be in chapter 3 again, as we were last week. The title of today's sermon is Attaining Righteousness. Romans 3, 9 through 19. Before we read, would you just join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the blessing that it is to be able to be called your child. So, Lord, we turn to you and just ask that you'd please minister to our souls by your word this morning, that you would reach inside of us, and whatever is out of line with how you would have us live, Lord, we ask you would adjust it. If our hearts have been made hard in certain areas, we ask you would soften them. Some of our hearts, uh, Lord, are are just um, very weak right now and need to be strengthened. So, Lord, we ask that you would do that thing by which we do not understand where you take your spirit And through your spirit, you apply this word to our hearts. So we thank you for this and trust you in Christ's name. Amen. So again, the title of today's sermon, Attaining Righteousness. Attaining Righteousness. Romans 3, 9 through 19. And it says this. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin as it is written. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. There was an interesting billboard that was put up a few years ago. said this, go ahead and skip church. Just be good for goodness sake. Happy holidays. Had a picture of Santa Claus on it. This caused quite the stir and actually even made its way to a conversation on the show The View. And uh, on that show, that was back when Raven Simone was on there, she had something really interesting to say about this whole topic. She said this, all religions are about being good. Just be a good person. Well, she's not the only one that has had this type of thinking throughout the ages. We see Malcolm X says, Being a good person doesn't depend on your religion, status in life, race, skin color, political views, or culture. It depends on how you treat others. see some t-shirts going around. Be a good person. You and I hear this all the time. You talk to people that tell us that they are a good person. I'm a good person. 
I'm a good person. We see all this stuff everywhere where people have this desire to be seen as being good. Interesting quote here by uh, Miranda Kerr says, I guess I'm just an open-hearted, fair, good person. I try to encourage people to be their best and look inside themselves and find out what they are passionate about and expand on that and enjoy life. Another quote, don't try to be original, just try to be, what's that word? Good. Angelini Jolie said this, I suppose I'm very aware of time and of memories and of enjoying life, not just doing the right thing and being a useful person, which I certainly want to be and believe that I am. I hold on to my family really tight and try to be as good a woman as I can be in my life. It's Angelina Jolie. Now back for a second to that quote by Raven Simone. All religions are about being good. Just be a good person. It seems that being good itself becomes its own religion. It's what people worship. People want to be seen as good. Pick any person off the street, walk up to them as you see the great comfort and some of those evangelists do. So are you a good person? There is not one person you walk up to that will not say, I'm a good person, or I try to be, or yeah, I'm a good person. Have conversations with people throughout the week about uh, different topics, and they say, well, that person's just not a good person. It really makes you scratch your head and wonder what this is that everyone's talking about. Because in Christian communities, we say Jesus. We talk about Jesus a lot. We talk about our Christian faith. We talk about Jesus dying on the cross. Yet outside of the Christian circle, what do you seem to hear a lot of? Good, good, good. It's amazing. This is a desire that everyone has. They want to be seen as a good person. There is no one walking this earth that does not in some way, shape, or form want to be seen by other people as being evaluated as being good. They want to be a good person. Well, what does it mean to be a good person? This is where things get subjective. But it seems like being good itself becomes its own religion because that is what people are serving so that they can be seen by others as being good. But the Bible says this. It says something very interesting in Ecclesiastes 7.20. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. It's interesting. It's very interesting if we think about the implications of this verse for just a second. There's not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. So all this talk this morning about goodness should really bring a question to our minds. And that's our first point of the sermon this morning. Can we do good? Can we do good? What does the scripture say? Look at our verses just from this morning. There is none is righteous, no not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. Say it with me. No one does good. Not even one. Not even one. So you say, wow, well, if no one does good, must be we lack the ability to do good. There's no expectation on our part to do good. But we know that's not true because the scriptures testify differently. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and, what's it say there? Do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So wait a minute here. Are we trying to say that God says no one does good, and at the same time, he expects us to do good? Well, let's look at a couple more verses. Look at Psalm 37, 3. 
Trust in the Lord and what? Do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. You see, obviously, there is an expectation for you and I, for all of humanity, to do good. But the verse said no one does good. What are we talking about here? Ecclesiastes 3.12 says this, I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to, what's it say? Do good as long as they live. Isaiah 1.17, learn to do good. Y'all see that? Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Say, well, yeah, well, Jason, you're using a lot of Old Testament references. We live on this side of the cross, buddy, huh? Now, Christ said, of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to what? Do good on the Sabbath. To do good. If you look at Mark 14, 7, again, we see Christ speaking for you Always have the poor with you. Now, some people take this to mean since we're always going to have the poor with us, there's really nothing that we should do about that. That is a misreading, a misunderstanding of the entire context of the scriptures. No, we are supposed to support and come alongside those that are truly poor. Christ saying that uh, that you will always have the poor with you does not give us an excuse not to help the poor. He's simply stating the fact. For you will always have the poor with you. So all of these people out there that you hear saying, we can end poverty tomorrow if we just, they're lying. Because Jesus Christ says that we will always have the poor with us. So either we will always have poor with us, or Jesus is a liar. You take your pick. Jesus said in the scriptures clearly, you will always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. Wow. But you'll not always have me. So clearly there is an expectation for us to do good, which brings another question before us, an important question. Then what is meant by there is none who does good? Is this a contradiction? Did we find one of those contradictions that we hear so many people talking to us about, saying, I don't want to be a Christian because the Bible is full of contradictions? Well, did we latch on to one this morning, folks? No. No, not at all. Not at all. We need to think for just a second about point number two. What doing good does not do. You see, in any conversation you have with anyone, it's very, very important to define your terms so everyone's on the same page. Otherwise, we could both be talking about a saw, using saw in a conversation, and both be talking about different things. I could be talking about the verb. You could be talking about the noun, the object. We need to define our terms so we're all on the same page. Scripture does this again and again. Everything is to be taken from the Bible in its context. So when you hear people saying things like we spoke about last week, do not judge, that verse needs to be taken in its context, not out of its context. It's important that we understand what judging means and whether or not we are told in Scripture not to judge. Clearly, there is a context. And the same thing is true here. We need to understand the context of doing good because God just said there is none who does good. So what is meant here? Well, let's look for just a second at a couple points. Point number one, it does not undo what we have done. Doing good 
does not undo what we've done. So this isn't like some race where you see the race cars going around the track and they lose a couple seconds because they do something and they're like, I, I can make that up. I can change these things and make that up. That's not the way life goes. That's not what this verse means. We don't mess up and sin and then have some pattern we can take where now I can do enough things to undo that. That's not what the verse is talking about here. It, doing good does not undo what we have done. It doesn't. What else doesn't it do? It does not justify us before God. What is justification? Justification is to be deemed righteous. And we just read in the scripture here, there is no unrighteous. No, not one. So we're saying we cannot attain righteousness? No. That's what our sermon is about this morning. That's what we're talking about this morning. How to attain righteousness. So we are not justified before God by doing good. This is not what this means. So when we are told in Scripture again and again, do good, do good, do good, this is not so that we can be made right with God. You say, well, then it doesn't make sense. Well, here's the point. Doing good does not undo sin. So there's not a merit system where you've lied this many times this week, so now you need to tell the truth this many times this week to cancel that out. This is not how this works. This isn't mathematics. This is life. This is life lived under a righteous and holy God who sees not just the things we do, but the things we think. He sees the very intentions of our hearts, what we want to have happen in that situation. Even if it doesn't happen, God knows what you and I want to have happen. He knows because he sees the intent of our hearts. So when you and I do good, it does not undo the sin that we have done. It does not. So, question. Then, what is meant by there is none who does good? It seems like we have a contradiction here, but we really don't. Look carefully with me. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. You all see that? By works of the law, no human being. No human being. Let's look at that just a little closer. No human being will be justified in his sight. It means we cannot do enough good to undo the wrong that we've done. So then, what is meant by there is none who does good? That you and I cannot do good in order to be made right with God. Christian, are you supposed to do good? Yes. The Bible says it everywhere. Replete with passages that say do good. Jesus expects you to do good. He expects me to do good. He expects when we wake up in the morning and we exit our homes, the intention of our day is to go out and to do good. The conversations that we have, when we have passages like Ephesians 4.29, the conversations that you and I have are meant not to tear people down, but to edify and build people up. If you are involved in conversations that tear people down, that is called sin. That is doing what God has told you not to do or not doing what God has told you to do. Many of us sin in both these ways, commission and omission, because we'll enter a conversation and our intent is to rip people down. It's not how God wants us to speak. Friends, we cannot do enough good to be made right with God. The scary truth is, you can't good your way to heaven. And 
the religion of do good or be a good person is leading a lot of people on this path. Hell will be full of good people by the world's standards. People that were good and just did their best, hell is going to be full of these people. You can't good your way to heaven. It's a really difficult concept for people to understand. But it's true. You can't good your way to heaven. It will not get you there. This is really, really difficult. Because our natural inclination as human beings is to be workers. We want to work. We want to do. We want to remain under the the law of works. It's easier for us rather than to go and confess and to repent. It's easier for us just to try to do nice things for people. So you mess up and you say something really, really hurtful and now that person wants nothing to do with you. It's easier for us to go and try to buy them a meal. It's easier for men to go buy their wives flowers. Here you go, honey. That does not undo anything. Nothing. It's so easy for us because our decision is constantly to try to good our way into better graces. And it will not get you there. That is manipulation. If we could say to God, God, I know that I just fill in the blank stole time from the time clock. But don't worry, God. I'll make it up next week. I'll come in five minutes early. Will not work. He knows the intent of our hearts. He knows why we stole from the time clock. He knows exactly what our intention was in that moment. It was to steal. No matter what we wanted to do about it, we we were stealing. God knows that. So it's not like next week we can say, well, Monday is rolling around, God, and I usually wake up early on Mondays. I'll go to work and punch in a little early to make up for that time. Does not work. You can't good your way into God's graces. You can't do it. So many people out there think that they can, and sadly, so much of the church thinks that they can. Well, I was unfaithful in in this area, but don't worry, I'm going to make that up. I'll, I'll, I'll do better. It's really sad when our kids are taught this message that if they just do enough good, they can undo all the wrong they've done. That's not biblical. That's not gospel. Gospel is turn and repent, do differently. Ask forgiveness. Ask forgiveness and live differently. That's the life that God calls us to live. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. What is the message of the kingdom of God? Repent and believe. What is the gospel message? Repent and believe. You were living this way. I'm not going to live that way anymore. I am going to embrace Christ for forgiveness of my sins, and I am going to live for him with every moment, and tomorrow you and I will mess up. Probably before the day is up, we will mess up. And we need to, even then, in that moment, believe and repent and turn to him. Because we can't good our way into heaven. Such a difficult concept for people to understand. I see all kinds of evangelists on YouTube videos or just talking to people. And um, they say they go up and talk to people and say, are you a good person? And people always think that they're a good person. The way of a man is right in his own eyes, we are told in Proverbs. The way of a man is right in his own eyes. We're told in the book of Judges that everyone did what was right where? in their own eyes. But what if we truly live that way? Then who's the standard for what is right and what is wrong? Who are we to tell someone that it is wrong to steal? Who are we to tell someone that it's wrong to murder if 
if all truth is relative? If all that matters is how I live in my own eyes, if the evaluation of my life at the end of the day is whether or not I feel like I did a good job. Can you imagine if this concept was applied to any other area of life where your evaluation changed truth? For instance, think about going into a grocery store and you have $1 in your pocket, you load up your cart with $49.99 worth of groceries, you go to pay the grocer and you hand them a dollar bill. They say, you are about $49 shy and you say, well, that feels like a 50 to me. That will not work. There is an absolute truth. Those numbers on that bill mean something. And there's no room for moving that back, or back and forth. If you find someone that accepts $1 bills as 50s, let me know. All right? <laughs> we need to tell them, hey, that's wrong. Just a little while ago, there was a woman from another country that came to our house for a yard sale. And someone had told her that a dime was only worth five cents. She was so confused because she thought she had a lot less money than she actually had. And perhaps it was confusion on someone else's part, but this is what happens when we change the rules of the game halfway through. We need a standard to live by. And the standard, God's word, says you can't good your way into heaven. And it is difficult for us to accept. So you say, well, so that means I shouldn't feed the poor, push people out of the way of moving vehicles, or refrain from using the F word? Um, well, I actually don't mean that. For the record, please feed the poor. Please. There are several sites set up in our area where you can do just that. People that are down on their luck because of COVID, there are three places, and I talk about them every week. You can go drop off food. Please do that. Please do that, but it won't get you to heaven. Please, push people out of the way of moving vehicles. Please, please. Save life, preserve life. This is important, an important principle. We're not saying that. And speak as your conscience allows. Speak as your conscience allows. For the record, please, please feed the poor. Push people out of the way of moving vehicles and speak as your conscience allows. But don't think for one second that these things have earned you heaven because they haven't. They haven't. You know, it's easy for us to be very, very self-righteous and to collect up a list of good things that we've done. I found myself doing it before too. Actually, it's really an urge for us as human beings, particularly as Christians, to want to show off our track record to other Christians. Well, I read eight books this week. Wow, eight books. How big were they? Well... I listened to four seminars this week. Really, four seminars. I have trouble sleeping, staying awake through one without falling asleep. And we have this whole list of things. Well, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. Why do we do that? It's because we want to be seen as good to people. But it does not matter. Isaiah says, stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath. We're so desperate to please people who will die just like us that we set aside what God thinks. We set aside what God has commanded. Care so much about what I'm wearing because I want people to think well of me? What about God? When was the last time we checked in his word and saw what he wanted for our lives? 
The things that we do, as great as they may look by the outside world, do nothing for us to attain righteousness. Nothing. Scripture says that there is not multiple doors. I remember a conversation with Oprah Winfrey, not that I had, but that I saw. It was on her show, and she was talking to one of her guests, and she said there are millions of doors to what she calls God. And really, she wanted to have this plan set up where she could believe what she wants to believe, and you could believe what you want to believe, and in the end, they're all going to lead to Christ. The problem with that is either Oprah lied or Jesus did. Because what's Jesus say, everyone? How many doors are there? Hold that up in your living room. One door. One door. How many ways are there, everyone? How many does it say in the Bible? How many ways? One way. One way. What did Jesus say? He said to him, I am the way. Not one of the ways. Not one of many paths. The way. Understand, when you and I try to good our way to heaven, or when we tell people that they can good their way to heaven, we are lying to them. Because Christ said there's one way, and it's not goodness. It's not doing better in life. He said, I am the way. Very exclusive. Underline that. The way. The truth. How many truths are there? One truth. One truth. Either we examine what Christ has said in his word about life and live by that truth, or we live in falsehood. Either we suppress the truth in unrighteousness as the folks that we read about in the beginning of Romans, or we live according to God's truth. Christ says he is the truth. One life. The life. It's Christ. And believe me, as difficult as this is for us to wrap our hearts around, it's true. So many people want the gospel to be less exclusive. Well, can't we accept this? And can't we accept this? And can't we accept this? And can't we just love everyone? Well, you can, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says what? No one comes to the Father except through me. Should we love everyone? Yes, but that will not get them to heaven. There's one door, one way, one truth, one life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We talked about this over the past few weeks because it's true. Over, over these days and over these weeks, we've been considering the implications of the gospel in our lives. And this is what we are supposed to be every single day taking in, breathing in, and understanding what are the implications of the gospel on my life. The implications are this, that you and I, all of our goodness has earned us hell. Not a pretty little plaque, not bragging rights. In Isaiah, we are told that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Your goodness, my goodness, all of our good deeds with regard to righteousness has earned us hell. The wages of sin is death. Death is, that's the wages that God gives to those that try to attain righteousness through their goodness. Or those that desire to abandon Christ and want nothing to do with him. Because Christ is the only answer, the only way, the only door. He is the only truth. He is the only life. If we are going to get to heaven, it is not by some ticket. It is by Jesus Christ. It is not by our own merit. Grace is a gift 
not by works that we may not boast. When Jesus hung on that cross, Jesus took on himself the sins of the world. Every time you and I mess up, say the wrong thing, think the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, intend the wrong thing with our lives, Christ died for that. And the gospel message is so powerful. Think about this for a second. You say, what about those that for the first 4,000 years of creation, they didn't, they didn't have Jesus. They couldn't turn and say, I believe in Jesus. Their faith in God is so strong and God is so faithful that the gospel is retroactive and it covers them too. So will you see David in heaven? Absolutely. Why? Because of his faith. Will you see Abraham in heaven? Absolutely. But wait a minute. Abraham lived before Christ, before Christ walked the earth, before Christ died on the cross. The gospel is retroactive. It covers all sins for the faithful, past, present, and future. Before the end of the day, you and I are going to need this grace. We're going to mess up, say the wrong thing, think the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. God has given us a way. If we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Would you pray with me?